Luke 3, 21-22 When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Luke 4, 1-14 Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendour. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Well, thank you so much for reading that. And uh, it will become clear in a few minutes why I've used that particular passage this morning. Uh, But here we are at the end of our well-being series. And I really hope you found it helpful, a, a helpful series. I think it's been a great way of helping us understand ourselves a bit better. You know, understand the way that God has made us by looking through the lens of those six interrelated fuel gauges, those different fuel tanks that we have, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial and vocational fuel tanks, uh, along with the importance of our mind and, and our mindset. And when any one of those tanks is running on empty, it will drain fuel out of the others. So if you're physically exhausted, it will affect you emotionally. It will affect you spiritually spiritually. If you don't have financial peace and and well-being, that will affect pretty much all the other areas of well-being. It will drain your fuel tanks and you can only run on empty for so long before completely crashing. And and we've been looking throughout the series at the pretty spectacular crash that Elijah had out in the wilderness in 1 Kings 19 with all his gauges down in the red. You know, God has a plan for your well-being. That's the premise of this series. That's the confidence that we have. God has a plan for your well-being. He's the source of well-being. And he has made you in a particular way. So the things that drain or replenish your fuel tanks in all those areas will be different from other people. And so we need to know ourselves. We need to, to know how we, how we work, how we tick. And again, another aim of this series was to help us think through well, what does drain each of those tanks for me and what replenishes them? And to help us put things in place in our lives that will replenish those tanks, to form new habits in our lives, to make those small changes that over a long period of time will make a significant difference. 
And I guess that the more that you've engaged with this series beyond the Sunday meeting, so if you've been in a small group uh, or you've been working through this daily devotional, this book by Dave Smith, uh, or maybe both of those things, the, the more that you've engaged with this, the more likely it is that you've been making those changes in some of the areas that we've been addressing. And I think that is a key to knowing increased well-being in the long term. Small changes, don't try and change everything at once, but small changes over a long period of time. New habits, new rhythms that tip the balance in your life away from everything draining your tanks and toward replenishing your tanks. And also being aware, having self-awareness of when the needle is tipping into the red and knowing what to do to reverse it. I've got a list of things here that I've called my, uh, my rest and rhythms plan. Um, I actually wrote this a, a few months ago because within our staff team and our wider leadership team, we've been using this idea of having these different fuel tanks or different batteries. Uh, we've been doing that for quite a while to help us to be able to work from a place of rest, to be aware of all the things that we've been talking about in the series. And on here, I've just, I've just written down a few things that I know replenish me in those different areas, and I've divided them into daily, weekly, monthly, and annual rhythms. So uh, things like uh, prayer walking, because actually that, that benefits me both physically and spiritually. Um, scheduling in reading time each day, that, that helps my mind and it helps me spiritually. Uh, meeting somebody from outside the office each week, that, that helps me on a relational and emotional level. Uh, making sure I'm taking a day of reflection each month. Again, spiritual, emotional, my mind, all these different areas. And of course, there are some things on here which have been made impossible during lockdown. So I've got things like I, I tend to play, I usually play Friday uh, evening football with a group of guys. That helps me physically and relationally. I, I do Saturday morning football coaching, uh, relational and emotional well-being. Uh, put an, in here having a date night with Suzanne every month. Again, on a relational level, on an emotional level, those things are helpful. But actually, those are things which have been disrupted and made very difficult by lockdown. And the idea is that I actually set myself an alarm on a Monday morning to go through a checklist to see, have I put my reading time in my diary or have, have I booked a day of reflection at some point in the next four weeks? Um, and of course, that all sounds very impressive, but I'll let you into a secret. I often fail with this. I really do often fail with this. As I said, lockdown has made some of those things on this list uh, very difficult but also sometimes I just forget, I silence the alarm and then I forget to go back to it. And so I go through a week or a couple of weeks without really thinking about these rhythms. But, but I know that when I am putting these things in my life, everything goes better because I'm taking care of my fuel tanks. I know the things which drain me. I know the things that replenish me. I'm taking care of my fuel tanks and not letting them get down to empty, which is better for me and it's better for everybody around me, believe me. So, as I said, I hope that this series has been helpful in, in, in just helping you to be aware of those things in yourself and putting good habits in place in your life that mean that a focus on well-being doesn't stop with the end of a series, but it's part of a lifelong journey, the well-being journey. But I think the thing that's come out throughout the series that, that underpins everything is the centrality of Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus as being the primary source of our well-being. The, the importance of knowing who you are in Christ. Being secure in your identity. And by the way, if you're not in Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus, well that can change today if you want it to. 
So I just want to pick up again on this theme of identity and particularly identity in the wilderness, identity in the wilderness. You know, we've been in some form of restricted living for over a year now. In fact, today is the 21st of March and it was the equivalent Sunday to this one last year, the 22nd of March 2020, that we had our first online meeting as we went into lockdown and we didn't know what lay ahead we, we certainly didn't think that we'd still be doing this a year on. I actually looked back at that meeting on YouTube very recently. And you know what? It brought back all sorts of emotions, strong emotions that we were all feeling at that time. And my encouragement to all of us then was to choose faith and not fear. I preached out of Psalm 46. Choose faith and not fear, to not let fear dominate who we are, but for who we are in Christ, our identity to dominate fear. And I talked about how times of crisis can really expose the foundations that our lives are built on. And as we look back over this last year, a year on from that day, and we look back over the years, it's been tough. It's been a tough year. I mean, I think the church has been magnificent, that by and large, we have responded really, really well. And it's been noticed by those outside the church, as I shared a couple of weeks ago in that article in The Express, The church has, well, you, you have been a constant source of encouragement to me. So thank you so much for that. But it has been a tough year for all of us. It's been a tough year. And it has at times felt like being in the wilderness where where so much that we take for granted has been taken away. You know, it's certainly been a relational wilderness. Not being able to see family, not being able to see friends. Uh, It's been an emotional wilderness with some experiencing grief, Uh, missing key life events, just that feeling of being trapped in your home, not able to go out anywhere, uh, not having any options to go to the pub or to the theatre or to the cinema. That, That takes an emotional toll. It's felt like a spiritual wilderness at times, just missing the joy of being fully together and worshipping together at the top of our voices. And of course, for many, it's been a financial and vocational wilderness, depending on your job circumstances. And I wonder, what, what has your perspective been on the last year? What's your perspective been? Whether, you, whether you've seen it as a, maybe a, just a wasted year. It feels like a wasted year where you've, you've not been able to pursue all that you'd like to pursue. Or whether it's a year that, for you, actually has brought new and unexpected opportunities and you see it in that way. Or whether it's a year in which you've learned a lot about yourself and what your life is built on. You see, I don't believe that it's been a wasted year. Time in the wilderness is tough, but it's never wasted. Elijah had his wilderness experience, as we've been seeing um, across this series, but he learned about God's care. He learned about God's provision and compassion for him and how God led him out of the wilderness and into a new encounter, a new experience with God. And we've heard this morning in the passage that was read about Jesus's wilderness experience. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness, deliberately led into the wilderness where he didn't eat for 40 days and he was tempted by the devil. He was tested. It was a time of testing. And that's the thing. The wilderness is a time of testing. When everything gets stripped away and what is really in your heart is revealed, the foundations of your life are revealed and exposed. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness and they kind of failed the test time and time again, grumbling, complaining, not trusting in God. 
and sometimes wishing they were back in Egypt, you know, back in the place of slavery. And it revealed something about their heart and, and where their trust was placed. But Jesus, he stood up to the test in his 40 days in, in the wilderness. And it revealed a heart that fully trusted his father in heaven. You know, he was The temptations for him, it, it, it was to put his trust in other things. To, to place his trust in other things other than his father in heaven. So to put his trust in, in bread, turn these stones into bread, in, put your trust in bread, in material goods to sustain you. Or it might have been to put his trust in recognition, you know, throw yourself off the temple so that the angels will catch you. And actually the implication of that is then everybody will see who you are. They'll recognize who you are. And actually the temptation was there to even put his trust in the devil himself. But, but Jesus was unswerving. He was sure, he was clear of his foundations and his mission and his purpose. What about you? I wonder, what what has this wilderness year revealed in you? What has it revealed about where you find or where you look for your sense of identity and, and joy and peace and comfort and security? As I've shared before, I've had I've had a few moments over this last year of just extreme despondency and exhaustion in spite of the fact that as I said as as a staff team we've been really hot on being aware of our gauges uh, putting things in place to replenish the tanks taking rest and all of that we've been really hot on that work from a place of rest all the things that we've been learning about in this well-being series we've been trying to put into into practice but I've still encountered periods of despondency and you know those those periods of despondency, they just reveal something about my heart. It reveals that I'm not finding my joy and my peace completely in Jesus, but I'm looking to other things as well. Kind of Jesus plus other things, things that have been taken away. For example, that sense of being in control. Something's been taken away. Control has been taken away. The joy of gathering together, it's been taken away. Or having options of things that you can do to... To, to have leisure time, to fill your time, things that have been taken away. These are things that I may be leaning on too heavily for my sense of joy. And what makes the difference at those times of despondency is coming again to Jesus, accepting that actually I can't do this in my own strength. I'm not in control and that's okay. And I need to rely completely on him. That's when joy and peace return because he is the source of joy and peace. He's the source of our well-being. And that's a lesson that I've had to learn repeatedly. And no doubt it's a lesson I'll have to continue to learn repeatedly in the future as well. But it comes down to identity. Where do you find your sense of identity and meaning in life? Is it in having stuff or having your comforts? Or is it in your job or in your family, in your friends, in, in your relationships All good things, all of those are good things, but none of them are good foundations for your life. Or do you find identity and meaning in God and who you are in him? Let me just illustrate that with an example that I've I've used before. So when I was the youth pastor here a few years ago, uh, I I had a vision of what I wanted the youth work to look like. And part of that vision was Friday nights. Friday nights, I wanted an event that drew lots of young people uh, both from inside the church and outside the church. And, and that started to happen. The numbers grew and they grew with the church young people bringing friends and then their friends bringing other friends. 
And so I experienced a measure of success. And, and by the way, just to pick up on what Francis said last week, success is good. Success is good. God wants us to be successful in, in whatever we're doing, in our work, in our career, in whatever it is we're doing. He wants us to be successful, but we have to be careful it doesn't tip over into pride. Again, as Francis said last week. And I, I found a measure of success and I liked feeling successful. And what then happened is that a couple of youth leaders from other churches heard about what we were doing, saw what we were doing, and they came along to see it and to ask questions. So success brought me a sense of authority. I, I, you know, I know what I'm doing and I can teach others about this. And that in turn brought me a great sense of security. I, I'm doing well. Things are good. And that all fed into my identity. I was finding my identity in what I did, in, in being a successful youth pastor with the admiration of others. And of course, that's all very well while the numbers are still growing. But then you have an evening where half the number turn up and it crushes you. It's not, it's not just disappointing. It crushes you because your identity is taking a hit. The thing that you've been building your identity on. And I still have to very much watch that, looking to outward signs of success to bolster my identity. But what would you put there in place of success? Maybe popularity, the admiration of others. Maybe that's where you find a sense of authority and security in, in adopting a persona that makes people laugh or, or, or that people really admire. That, that's where you find your sense of identity. And so when someone criticizes you, or when you fall out with friends, that hits you particularly hard. When that relational network is stripped away, as it really has been this year, it hits your sense of identity and it reveals where you're ultimately putting your trust. Or maybe for you it would be wealth, uh, financial success, or maybe things like family. The point is that none of those things, as good as they are in themselves, good things that God gives us, None of those things can possibly take the weight of who you are, the significance of who you are. None of them are strong enough to be a stable source of your identity and to be a foundation for your life and your well-being. Now, contrast that with the example of Jesus. Before he went into the wilderness, as we heard earlier, he was baptised. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he had the Holy Spirit resting on him. He had God the Father speaking audibly from heaven. This is my son. This is my son. I love him. I'm so pleased with him. I mean, talk about being secure in your identity. Jesus was utterly secure in his identity in relation to God the Father. He was utterly secure in his identity as the son of God, secure in his mission and in his purpose. And that's the foundation that then gave him the security to go into the wilderness for 40 days without food. And it's what gave him the authority over the devil who tried to tempt him. And ultimately, it gave him success in his mission. We often have it the wrong way around. Jesus had it the right way around. And he succeeded where the Israelites failed. He remained steadfast. He remained at peace, even in the wilderness, because the foundations of his identity were in the right place. He wasn't looking to the admiration of others. He wasn't looking to make money and live a comfortable life. He wasn't looking to worldly signs of success and achievement. He knew who he was and he stood on a firm foundation and God was with him. It tells us that he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. God was with him and God is with us. If you're in Christ, God is with you. 
And he is the God who demonstrated his love for you in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were still an enemy of God, God came for you. He's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You are a child of God. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You've been saved by grace through faith. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. That is who you are. That is who you are. You're utterly significant to God. You're completely secure in him. You're wonderfully accepted and loved by him. A child of God, a co-heir with Christ, redeemed, bought at a great price and one in whom God chooses to dwell by his spirit. That is who you are. That's who you are. And he has promised to give strength to the weak. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. And he's promised to walk with you through trial so you will not be consumed. He opens the floodgates of heaven to meet all your needs from all the rich resources of heaven. And he has come to give you life and life to the full. There are so many promises of God. There are so many things that he says are true of you. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Why would, why would we look to anybody else? Why would we look anywhere else? Fullness of joy, fullness of peace, fullness of life can only be found in Christ. Your identity is in him. That is the only firm and sure foundation for your life. The tests that we face in the wilderness, they reveal where we're looking to other things when those things get stripped away. And that helps us to adjust and to put our trust fully in Jesus, to find our well-being, to find our shalom in him. But what we also see as we look forward from here, we see that after testing comes fruit. After testing comes great fruit. Elijah emerged from the wilderness, strengthened by God. He heard God speak. He encountered God powerfully. And he went back into his ministry and he bore much fruit. God was with him. The Israelites, even after all their failures, they entered the promised land. God was with them. And after the temptations in the wilderness, it tells us that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And he started his ministry of uh, anointed teaching, miraculous healing, deliverance from demonic oppression and setting the captives free, ultimately you and me. After the testing and the preparation of the wilderness, something new and something beautiful begins. And as we slowly start to emerge from the cocoon that we've been in, what is this new season? What is this, this new beginning, this post-wilderness world, whenever that arrives, what does that look like for us as a church? Now, I don't fully know, but I tell you what, I'm excited by it. I'm really excited by it. We will be different. We will be different. You know, the butterfly that emerges from a cocoon is very different to the caterpillar that went in. Some things will be different. Some things will have been lost, but new things will emerge beautiful, glorious things. And best of all, God will be with us, putting strength into our wings and helping us to fly. I briefly shared a couple of weeks ago about the gate that we feel God is opening before us, a gate to step through into more of his power, into leading naturally supernatural lives to show the love and compassion of Jesus to those around us. 
God has adventures for us to pursue together and it will mean taking some risks. It will mean getting out of our comfort zone. But as long as we are following the spirit, as long as we're keeping Jesus central, as long as we're loving people as well as we can, I believe there will be much fruit. There'll be a great harvest, new life, renewed purpose and passion in the church with healing and freedom and salvation breaking out, the kingdom of God advancing And so we need to cry out for a a fresh move of the Spirit of God. We need to cry out for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need him. We need his power. But what does this look like for you and me as individuals? Again, I don't fully know. But I do want to encourage you in one thing. As you... As you reflect on the last year, as you seek to find your identity fully in Jesus... And as you look forward to the days ahead, I want to encourage you in one thing. I want to encourage you to be someone who lives to say yes to God. That you would live to say yes to God. That would be your purpose in life. Jesus did what he saw his heavenly father doing. He was completely obedient and he changed the world. Elijah, Elijah would hear God speak. He would listen. He would respond and he would end up on a God adventure. Let me just... Let me just read you a few extracts from his story. So 1 Kings 17 says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Next line. So he did what the Lord had told him. Later on, the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Next line. So he went. To Zarephath. 1 Kings 18, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. The next line, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Later on again, after his wilderness experience, the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And so Elijah went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. God speaks. God calls Elijah. Elijah says yes. And God uses him powerfully. He ends up in an adventure seeing incredible signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I spend too much of my life not listening to God, not responding to his promptings, playing it safe. It's so easy to be distracted from hearing God's voice. It's a bit like when Suzanne is trying to talk to me and I'm Instead, looking at what's on the TV or on my phone, and I'm, I'm just distracted. I'm not really listening. We need to listen, get rid of distractions in our lives and listen and say yes to God. It's also a good response for your wife, by the way. Um, but I know that some of the scariest, but also some of the most alive and exciting times in my life have been when I have said yes to God and I've stepped out in faith and I need more of that in my life. I need more of it. If you want to increase your well-being alongside taking care of those fuel tanks, get on an adventure with God. Get on an adventure with him. Put yourself in a position to hear him speak. Listen for his voice. Listen for his promptings and live to say yes to Jesus. Whatever he asks you to do, because he has good works prepared in advance for you to do. And as God said to Joshua before they went into the promised land, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So as we finish this series and as we hopefully start to come out of the wilderness, as we start to emerge from the cocoon, let's take what we've learned about our well-being from the series into the future. Let's take what we've learned from the past year into the future and let us move forward together, putting our trust fully in God, building our lives on that unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ. God is with us. And God is with you. And he has much for us to step into together. And we're going to worship now. We're going to, we're going to worship him together. So use this time as we worship to pour out your heart to God, to declare the truth to him, to hear him speak to you. And then as we move into the second song, use it as an opportunity to cry out for his spirit to come. We need his power. We need his spirit. Amen. Let's worship him together now, church.